Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Today, we have a live audience presentation where Brian shares his bold predictions for the coming year. You'll hear the state of the economy, the state of the real estate industry itself, and what to expect in 2019. He's been doing this broadcast for many years and is always spot on with the information. So let's listen in. Thank you. All righty. Thank you. Well, the top of the morning to you. Great to be with you for our seventh edition of Bold Predictions. Every year, myself and the content team, our research department, do some research where we do an analysis of the year that's just gone by and a projection of the year to come. And the goal is to help folks prepare, navigate, and ultimately profit from the market. And this particular market is going to be an unusual market that we're about to face. And we're going to share with you as much insight as we can. We've got a pretty good and rich, successful history of helping folks prepare for uh, changes in the market. And this market's going to change. And it's funny, when I say that word, I'm just looking at your faces. Change. <laughs> the change is good and change is bad. Change is bad for the people who don't anticipate, prepare, and work accordingly. Change is fantastic for the folks that are ready. It's going to be a fantastic market for professional real estate agents and a very, very challenging market for unskilled, uneducated, unprepared realtors. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to tell you why. Like I said, we have a content team at Buffini Company, a whole building dedicated to research and preparation for our seminars, our events, our broadcasts like this, and our training programs. And it's very important that I kind of give you a little background here, kind of a little social commentary, if you will. One of the things that's happened with the advent of blogging and online news and social media reporting, you know, anybody with a phone is now a reporter. Did you guys know that? And anybody with a phone can write a story. And what's happened is because there's been constriction in the major formal medias, you know, the days of the Walter Cronkites and whatever else, and the Washington Post, they had huge newsrooms and huge research departments. That really doesn't happen today. And so what tends to happen is a story gets written, and then the story gets repurposed by many other outlets, and many times there's not a lot of fact-checking done. And one of the reasons I know that is when I've done my own publicity tours, for example, last year we did our book tour for The Emigrant Edge, I did 57 major media appearances in a 90-day period of time. And they basically would say, whether it was the interview or whether it was an article to be written, write this for us, give it to us. So we wrote what we wanted to write, and I was shocked that everybody ran it. And then when it got traction, someone else ran it. And so I've seen this a lot in the research side of things, where things will get traction. Many of you watching You'll see this social media outlet will post this story. This news agency that's a trade magazine, real estate, will publish it. Sometimes CAR or NAR or Realtrans, or they'll post a lot of times these things. Now, Realtrans is a great source for information I go to. But sometimes you'll see these stories repurposed. They gain a lot of traction, but nobody's asking where they came from. For example, we'll get into some details on it today, but there was a, an article that circulated all over every aspect of real estate about Bitcoin and how you had to have a Bitcoin strategy for real estate. And every major outlet that I can share that focused on real estate published this article. We did the research to find out who wrote the article. And it was a dude here in San Diego that is trying to start a startup company to sell Bitcoin to trade for real estate. Are you guys with me? He might have a vested interest in that story. Okay. So we have, what I want to share with you, and it's great that this is post-political season. And so that means when I share this data, it has nothing to do other than helping you prepare and profit. Does that make sense? 
So I'm just going to kind of tell you like it is. We're kind of a, a neutral source on this stuff. I'm just going to tell you like it is. And we're going to cover three things because I always cover three things because three things is what any realtor can remember. And so, number one, we're going to cover the state of the economy. So I'm going to do a little state of the union just as it pertains specifically in the area of the wealth effect and those things that impact real estate specifically, okay? We have a lot more that we have research on that I'm going to get to in an hour with you today. And we'll be releasing some of that through the Brian Buffini Real Estate Report to our members, as well as through our own social media and many of the cool research pieces we've done that I couldn't even fit into today. But we'll do the state of the economy. The second thing we're going to do is the state of the industry. And there's some interesting changes taking place and some interesting forces afoot in real estate that we've never seen before. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the state of the actual individual real estate agent. So state of the economy, the state of the industry, and the state of the agent. In Dublin, inner city Dublin, they used to go, they'd say, look at the state of your man. Look at the state of him. You know, it was like his condition. Well, this is kind of, I'm going to do the state of the economy, the industry, and the agent. Got some stats. I'm going to go through it. Even if you're not numerically inclined, these numbers mean something. Does that make sense? And helpful to know and what's behind it. So Here's the first thing. How's the economy doing? Well, the U.S. economy uh, did very well in 2018. So it grew at 3.1%. Okay? It's a very strong number. When an economy the size of the U.S. grows at 3%, it's a very big number. There were a lot of different things involved in that, but it was a good number. Now, next year, what's the prediction side of that? It's still going to grow pretty well. There's some runway, if you will, with the tax cuts that took place that kind of end in certain areas. But the economy's got a lot of momentum, a lot of capital, a lot of great fundamentals in place. So approximately 2.5% is the projection for next year, okay? Which is a very good number based on the size of this economy. And I'll share with you why it's a good number in a moment. The next thing is actually the U.S. itself was named the world's most competitive economy by the World Economic Forum. And that's the first time that's happened in 10 years. So the country is well positioned economically. And so on a grand scale, we got some good growth. We're well positioned in the world markets, well positioned from a competitive standpoint, which is great. That gives some good fundamentals for years to come. Our friends up north in Canada, we put the uh, cannabis plant now inside the maple leaf just so we can bring it all together. Everybody's up there having a great time. We actually served a lot of snacks and brownies at our Toronto success tour this year, and it seemed to go over very well. Uh, We got a lot of requests for late-night pizza as well. I don't know what that means. Anyway, just kidding. Canada has had a bumpy road this year, but not a rocky road. Does that make sense? The old song, a rocky road to Dublin, up and down, up and down. Canada tends not to do the big ups and the big downs, especially like in the coastal markets in the United States. But it's been a little bumpy. There's been some legislation that affected uh, real estate. There's been some natural market forces. Canada itself, you have Toronto market and Vancouver market, and then the rest of the country operates a little differently. But it's been a little bumpy, but I think what you can expect in 2018 is a pretty stable growth rate. 2.1, very similar expectation next year. Here's a good rule of thumb. Anything over 2% is a good number, okay? Anything over 2% is a good number, with one exception. And the one exception I'm going to give you is the global growth rate. So this is the one thing that you can keep an eye on. And you go, what does the global growth rate have to do with me? I work in uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire, real estate. What do I care about a global growth rate? Well, Global growth rates have an impact as emerging markets on people's stock portfolios. And what we call the wealth effect and how wealthy people feel with their 401ks or their retirement plans is a big indicator of how they make decisions in real estate. Does that make sense? So the global growth rate was 3.7% in 2018. 
which sounds great, but that number is actually not as good as it should be. And so just to give you an example, if you had a million dollar economy and it grows by 3%, that's pretty good. But if you have a $100,000 economy and that grows by 3.7%, that's not as good. Does that make sense? So it's just the U.S. is still a dominant force economically in the world. The global emerging markets are becoming more and more of a significant factor worldwide. And uh, the growth rate there, there's some headwinds, there's some trade issues, there's a number of different dynamics that are taking place. It's slowing a little bit. Where will that show up in American real estate? Foreign investors, not as strong as they were, although still a great place to park cash is in American real estate. And then the second thing is people's stock portfolios and 401ks. Unless they make adjustments, they won't feel as wealthy. Make sense? All right. So here's a couple of important things for real estate. Now get back to national stats that help you on a local level. Are people working and are they getting paid? Right? So are people working, are they getting paid? So the unemployment rate. Now, we came through an unbelievably dark recession, okay? So the unemployment rate has changed significantly in the last seven, eight years. And so we went from like 9.6% unemployment. This year's unemployment rate is 3.7%. Now, that is anything below 4% is basically considered full employment. This is not a fair statement, but it's almost like anybody who wants a job has a job type thing which is a big deal, especially for kids coming out of college. That wasn't the case a few years ago, still recovering from the recession. There are 7 million open jobs in America, 7 million unfilled positions. Um, There's 500,000 unfilled jobs in Canada. So there's work, which is fantastic. So there's employment, there's options for people, and companies have to be competitive to attract and keep good talent, which is great, which means it's good for people's also morale. Because, okay, we paid you, but we don't treat you well. People are going to go somewhere else. You know, I'm very happy with Buffini Company just won third year in a row. Out of 1,534 companies, we were in the top 10 places to work in San Diego. That's the spirit of how we want to present ourselves to the marketplace. But let me share with you, that's also a very important thing. And some of the talent we've brought in recently were people who were working for a company, making a great living, came to work for us, made a lateral move because you got a good place to work. And where I was wasn't a good place to work. So... That affects things. Good employment, very important. Are people making money? Yes, the growth rate and the wage growth is very good. And so we've had a 3.1% wage growth. You know, you talk about the shrinking middle class. That's one of the conversations that's always thrown out there. People are making more money. It's the highest growth rate in wages in 10 years. Okay? So this is all good news. Would you guys agree? So it's all good news for the economy. We're going to get to all this good news in the economy is not going to directly translate to good news for real estate. And I know this is a bit of a contrast, but there's nuance, right? Something that we don't do in sound bites or 140 characters, you don't get nuance. You don't get the subtleties of what's there. The big thing with the growing economy, growing wages, what's the number one fear with something like that? What do you think it would be economically? Inflation. So inflation is the number one killer of assets because that's like a hole in the bucket. And real estate being the predominant asset, inflation. Here's the other good news. They've managed to keep inflation in check. And so inflation was 2.1 in 2017, 2.3 in 2018. The projection is it'll be around 2.3 in 2019. So here's the good news. We got a growth rate higher than inflation. That means assets are worth more, values worth more, a lot of really good stuff. And again, there's a lot more on this. We have, for all you members that are watching, tens of thousands of you are watching, our members, you'll get it in the Brian Buffini Real Estate Report, as well as we've been getting so much feedback. The bold predictions, we're going to be doing more of this throughout the year now. 
We'll do mid-year updates and other things to keep people updated, specifically on the data as it pertains to real estate. So here's an example of how a very strong economy pertains to a very important dynamic. So people are working. Is that a good thing for real estate? People are getting paid fair wages and the numbers are going up. Is that a good thing for real estate? Right. Here's the dynamic between renting and purchasing still. U.S. median household income, rent versus own. The average renter is consuming 28% of the median income to rent, and yet to own is 17.5%. So in over 100 cities in America, it's still beneficial economically for people to own and to rent. Now, there are places like here in San Diego where it's hard to get a down payment and those kinds of things, and there's a bit of a sluggish effect. We'll talk about that. So the economy is doing very well. The economy, you're going to see the stock market continue to be solid. You're going to continue to see these things. And again, the market we live in today, the stock market can change a thousand points. Ten years ago, the market changed a thousand points. It was Black Friday. Now it's just Friday. (laughs) And one of the reasons is the market's 25,000 points. Does that make sense? So a thousand point swing off 25,000 is not that big of a deal. A thousand point swing when the market's 5,000 is a big deal. So, you know, you'll have that up and down and in and out, and I wouldn't spend my day every day looking at the stock market. The dynamic for the economy is strong. The real estate industry predictions are very important. I'm 32 years around the real estate business in America, and there's never been a dynamic in real estate like there is today. And that is, number one, the influx of venture capital into real estate. We have never seen anything like this. There were real estate companies that over years and years became publicly traded. Remax, for example, was 40 years in business before they went public. Century 21, Caldwell Banker, ERA, you know, they formed into Realogy, and a publicly traded company now has a several house of brands. But it was a slow move in dynamic of when funds came into real estate. Today, that's very different. And where one area of capital, specifically, that's very, very influential in real estate in driving people's thought and focus is in technology. So I want to put some data behind it, right? What's the numbers behind it? I think this will be illustrative. Maybe even worth an ooh. In 2010, there was $30 million in venture capital invested in real estate tech. So technology that support or disrupt, if you will, real estate was $30 million. In 2017, that number grew to $12 billion, Okay. 5.4 in the U.S. So think about it. A billion is a thousand million. So we went from 30 million to five and a half thousand million to 12,000 million in a seven-year period of time. And the numbers coming in for this year look even more closer to 15 billion by the time it's all over. To give you context on this, like Google, you ever heard of them? Google has $895 million in a fund called a Moonshot Fund. And the Moonshot Fund is basically, put it on black. Mama needs a new pair of shoes, snake eyes. Okay, it is gamble money. And it's venture capital funds. They have huge amounts of capital. The projected rate of return for their Moonshot Fund is zero. Almost a billion dollars set aside to take a shot. And the goal is they invest in these different venture capital opportunities as an angel investor in technology to see if something hits to see if something's the next great Snapchat or Instagram or Uber or whatever, that someone can put it on black and see what happens. Does that make sense? Now, this is very important. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but you have to understand there's a ton of money in the marketplace to invest. A ton of people have decided real estate is an interesting business. The model hadn't changed in almost 50 years. 
how does technology influence the consumer? And so what's happening is a lot of companies are lining up and putting their bets and taking moonshot bets on certain opportunities. Here's what's critical. What's that got to do with you? It's very important that you don't tie your wagon to a moonshot because you don't have the capital for it. Your spouse will not look at you as an angel investor. I promise you that. It's very important you don't abandon the fundamentals of your business to someone else's moonshot. There are going to be technologies that influence real estate more and more and more. They already have, and fantastic. I spent most of my career looking at a Thomas Brothers map, making three-point turns. I was lost for most of my career, okay? I once was lost, and then I was found, and once I found a house, I made sure the buyer bought the house because I wasn't sure I could find the next one. Are you following me? Now, turn left now. No, Brian, you're driving too fast. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's fantastic technologies. And there's more technologies coming. So I'm going to share with you some that you're going to hear a lot of noise about. Some that are actually going to have some play in real estate. But here's what I give you a great tip on. You'll know it's a good technology if it expands a fundamental instead of replaces a fundamental. If it expands a fundamental instead of replaces a fundamental. So, for example, at Buffini and Company, we invested millions of dollars years ago into a CRM as a technology. Okay? Our coaching staff bludgeoned me into doing this. Why? Because it was sorting and qualifying a database, working with the ABCDs, whatever else. It used to take six months to get a client to sort and qualify their database, and then all of a sudden we introduced the CRM, and it happens right then and there. Okay, what does it do? It accelerates and expands a fundamental. It didn't replace a fundamental. Sorting and qualifying your database is a fundamental. Does that make sense? So I'm going to show you some technologies. Some will have more play than others. You're going to hear about virtual reality, okay, where people are going to look at homes, sitting down looking at it through a pair of goggles and go to a 3D house. Cool! Cool! So cool! You're still going to have to physically walk into the halls of a house and look at it. Feel the counter, feel the space, and guess what? Because real estate's a good business, it's a good feel, and people it has to feel like home. Does that make sense? But this is a kind of a cool thing. You're going to hear all kinds of stuff about blockchain. Blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin being one example, that's obviously the most famous. Just to give you a concept. Bitcoin lost 60% of its value this year. Okay, this is not leading edge stuff. This is bleeding edge stuff. Oh, Brian, you got to get with the program. Look, if I had a $25 million listing in Hollywood, I would definitely advertise open for an offer for Bitcoin. I would. Why? Because the local newspaper is going to run articles on it. Because I might get on the local news and get some publicity for it. Would I let my client accept it? Hell no. In fact, if you're out there and you want to sell your home for Bitcoin, call me. I'll buy it for 50 cents on the dollar and give you cash. So here's the thing. This is all this talk, all this talk. As best as we can understand, we can confirm one sale made in the United States last year via Bitcoin. 5.3 million transactions, 5.29. One transaction. All this press, all this publicity. Now, by the way, that one property was in Miami. And after the sale, it was resold again 30 days later. Okay? Now, because I have an attorney, I would never say the term money laundering. I would never say something like that. But you're going to hear all these articles. I'm not, you're like, what the hell, Buffini? Get to this real stuff. I'm bringing all this stuff up because of the level of distraction. I just spoke at the National Association of Realtors. You know, and they do a great job. And NAR, the research and whatever, I appreciate them. They've been doing a great job for a long time. But here's the website for NAR. This is the event I went and spoke to a couple thousand people at. And you go on the website, and here was the conference right there in Boston. Here's your tickets. Here's your speakers. Here's your schedule. This is the front page. 150 sessions or whatever else that you could go for continuing education. And let's look at this. Plan your time in Boston. The complete lineup of education sessions, okay, 
is now available to browse by day. Topic or audience. Hot topics include unlisted inventory. That's at secret inventory. Marijuana laws and blockchain transactions. So go door knocking, light up a doobie. And if they're interested, I got a little, I got a little coin for you. I got this guy in Miami. Now, here's the deal. I presented that at night and the gal who put the schedule was sitting in the back of the room. She wasn't too happy with me. I said, here's the deal. You know why I bring it up and I have a laugh at it? It's because when you make that a feature, people think it's important and people get distracted. And what I see in the industry right now is a level of distraction and confusion like I've never seen. And these tech companies are coming in and they all look hot and they've got a ton of money behind them. But they're moving fast and they're throwing spaghetti against the fridge door. Here's an example. Here's a company now, Artificial Intelligence and predictive analytics. You're going to hear about those two things more and more and more, and they're going to play a bigger role in real estate data in the future. No question. So here's a company, our first IO, and they have this very cool, hip, millennial-looking gal. You know Jessica loves Korean food. We know she's thinking of selling. Okay? So they're talking about predictive analytics. What's funny about it is here's the next company that's funded, and they're called Live By, and they use the exact same image. Apparently, Jessica's the hot clip art to buy, <laughs> and so you buy that stock photo, and you just slap because they're slapping these things together so quick. It looks great. It looks hot. And what does it do? It makes you feel insecure about your... Just, I'm here writing personal notes and chipping away. Okay? I'm missing the boat. The gold rush is going by. You know the people who made most of the money in the San Francisco gold rush? Levi's, that sold jeans. Wrangler. And the people who sold pots and pans. Okay? A lot of people went broke on it. Artificial intelligence... Predictive analytics, you're going to hear more about that. We're going to share more about that. There's some really cool stuff out there that now has an ability to analyze the patterns of people and how to market appropriately. Fantastic stuff. Taking data down from the cloud, fantastic stuff. But I will share with you, a lot of this stuff is bleeding edge, not leading edge. And look, it's been around a long time. Moses, for example, was technically the first person with a tablet downloading data from a cloud. <laughs> so it's, this stuff's been around a long time. Little... Old Testament jokey there. <laughs> I want to share with you one thing I am a little bit serious about. This is something I'm willing to fight for. And this is where the industry is confused. And I want to say this. I have been an advocate for real estate, real estate companies, real estate organizations for 32 years. And I don't pick fights. I'm willing to pick a fight on this one topic. Because I believe the real estate industry has lost its focus and has allowed a very important term to be hijacked. And that is the term called lead. And when is a lead not a lead? And I'm going to share with you that there's a gazillion people out there who will tell you what a lead is and that you should use these and that you should work with these and you should buy these and this is how you should now get with the program and outsource your lead generation. Here's an example of just a few companies. Here's an example. Zillow. We know Zillow's play for a lot of years. The vast majority of Zillow leads have never been contacted. So a company called OpCity Forms in Austin. What are they? They're basically an organization that bought those leads from Zillow leads, unleashed a telemarketing operation on them, beat the hell out of those leads, thousands and thousands and thousands of calls, and then if somebody popped up their head and said, okay, I, I may be interested in real estate, they'd pass that over to a real estate agent and charge them a 35% referral fee. And it was a warmed over cold call lead. Now, by the way, that's nothing that hasn't been in the real estate business for years, but now it's technology. It must be spectacular. But let me ask you this. Would you rather work with a referral from a past client as opposed to a cold-called online inquiry. That's what we have to ascertain. Here's what I'm going to share with you. Here's the numbers. In 2011, there were 4.8 million transactions in the U.S. real estate, 
and yet there were considered 4.5 million online leads. Now, I've heard leaders in the real estate industry say, that makes sense. There's that many online leads. There's that many transactions. Because they've actually given over the concept that those online leads were leads. I'm going to show you today they're not leads. They're not even close to leads. I want to do a little online marketing education for you so you understand the terms. In 2017, there was 5.5 million transactions and 87 million online leads. In 2018, so far this year, we're projecting the end of the year to be around 5.29, 5.3 million transactions and 100 million online leads. Now, I went to the Christian Brothers Catholic School in Ireland and I learned this, 100 into 5 don't go. And I'm going to share with you that not only is 100 into 5 not go, those things that are classified as leads are not even close to being leads. So if you will, I'm going to do a little technical training with you. Uh, we're going to get into more of our bold predictions, but I want to teach you something. Because you need to understand when is a lead a lead and when is a lead not, and make your decisions accordingly. Make your investments accordingly. Are you guys with me? So here's the first thing that's called a lead. It's a thing called an impression. An impression is traffic and eyeballs. And when you really press a lot of these services that are telling you that they're leads, when you really ask them, what they are is impressions. So do you know what an impression is? You dirty rat. Is that an impression? Okay. I am not a crook. Those are impressions. And they're about as useful as an impression. So here's an example. Here's my Facebook page, right? So we launched our brokerage program here not so long ago, and it was Master Your Brokerage. Do you see down the right-hand side? So Master Your Brokerage, but you can also get free dentures on the right side or whatever else they're advertising. Now, here's what they're actually showing with human beings right now and how we adapt to circumstances. When it comes to technology, our eyes are actually developing a form of tunnel vision. And they're doing analysis on people that people have no freaking idea what's on the right side. And that's why they're having to get more extreme and you know, more goofy, try to be more entertainment, less clothing, whatever it is to try to at least attract an eyeball. Does this make sense? An eyeball is not a lead. An impression is not a lead. Are you guys with me, yes or no? So that's okay. It's a good thing. It's a good marketing term. I'm just not going to treat it like a lead. I'm not going to pay for it like a lead. If that makes sense, say I. The next evolution is called an inquiry. So you go from impression to inquiry. And an inquiry is a person who responds to an offer. By the way, in real estate parlance, you need to understand that the way the companies promote this to real estate, it's any offer of any sort. An ice cream coupon okay, is called an inquiry. Someone who clicks on a listing that's $25 million and they're living in an apartment, one bedroom apartment, they're about to get kicked out of their lease, that's called an inquiry. If I download a coupon for Walmart, I'm not making this stuff up. We actually at Buffini Company have people who've worked in these online companies come to work for us. But this is good. This is just marketing parlance. There's nothing wrong with this. They're not the bad guys. It's not the evil empire. It's just we ascribe a thought to a phrase, and the real estate industry has allowed that word to be hijacked, the word lead. Are you guys hearing me? Is an impression a lead? No. Is an impression a good thing? Certainly not a bad thing. Is an inquiry a good thing? Yeah, certainly not a bad thing. Is it a lead? Not close. Then you have what's classified as someone who's curious. Someone who's curious is someone who responds to a repeated inquiry, either that's been directed towards them or they click on it. Sometimes they click on it by mistake. Sometimes they go, oh, okay, I've seen this seven or eight times. I'm curious enough to take a look at it. Okay? And, and the way I would give you an analogy here is, if you go to a junkyard and there's a bunch of parts of a car, that does not make a car. There's a lot of work to take those parts and turn it into a car. Does that make sense? 
there's a hell of a lot of work to take someone who's classified as curious and turn them into a lead. All right? The next thing is an actual prospect. And again, this is a term we use in real estate, right? The old cold calling, door knocking type stuff, calling expires, prospect, prospect, prospect. But in modern marketing parlance, I'm going to tell you, somebody cold calling is already ahead of what an online prospect is considered. This is a captured email and phone number. That's what the technical definition of a prospect is in online marketing. Oh, by the way, when I got into real estate 100 years ago, they gave me what's called a crisscross phone book. And the crisscross directory was not done alphabetically. It was done by streets. And here was the streets, and then here's the names of the people who lived on that street. And you went and you started calling and said, how you think about selling the home? That is the place you're starting that's four levels in to an online lead. Are you guys with me, yes or no? That's why they've had to find all these third-party companies. Zillow itself no longer sells its leads to OpCity. Zillow started its own program called Premier Agent where they actually call and cold call their own impressions to try to see if they can turn it into something. Are you guys with me? Okay, and again, people are very pissed off that I'm saying these things. These same companies that have publicly traded dollars, you're going to see more and more articles about Brian Buffini or whatever else because I'm willing to say the emperor's butt naked. I'm not saying these things are useless. I'm just saying these things aren't very valuable in the context of what we call a lead. A lead is a qualified opportunity in both online and marketing. Okay? A lead. Now, what's important here is this is where we start in our process. We start five levels in. We start lead generation with actual leads. And then you have a customer, someone you do business with. Those things right there, you can take it to the bank. That is marketing 101. It's very important that you understand this is where we start. It is very important that you understand that, unfortunately, in the real estate business, this stuff's been abdicated. And these guys are very good at their marketing and whatever else. They're not bad guys or gals. That's their business. But don't allow someone to call that that. And don't fool yourself to think you're doing lead generation when you're doing this. Does that make sense? Now you can go home at night. I spent money on... I got 42,000 impressions. You dirty rat. Okay? And I have no idea what that is. I'd rather someone went to coffee at Starbucks with one of their best clients than have 42,000 online impressions. This I can work with. This can turn into some money. And I'm going to make some bold statements here today because the income in the real estate business is showing up for what it is. Let me give you another little stat, right? My mother blessed me with this curiosity. She calls me a hive of useless information. But I've told her, Therese, I've made money in America doing that. Here's the fact. You ready? Ready? Another ooh. You ready? Practice the ooh. You're going to get a new right here. So I said 2010, there was $30 million in venture capital for tech. Back then, it translated into the following year's business of 2008. 9% of buyers find agents online. Exact same number as 2008. So we've gone from $30 million invested in real estate tech to $12 billion, probably $15 billion this year. And the numbers are the same. You ready for this? 9% of all buyers find an agent online. And of those almost half had some prior knowledge of that agent. They'd seen their ads, they'd seen their signs, they knew them. Then all of a sudden, there's somebody who's searching online and they see a face and a name that they recognize and they pursue it that way. It's the same number. Now listen, lock in. Here's how the real estate business works. I swear, I don't know why I can't do a better job helping people. When I put a stat like that up, people go, 9%. I really need to develop my strategy for that. 91% of the talk is about 9% of the business. And almost none of the talk is where 80% of the business is. That I'll statistically show you where it comes from. 
All the talk, all the articles. You know why? Because taking someone for a coffee is not good articles for a blog. It's not going to get you on a newspaper. It doesn't make for real sexy social media stuff. Are you with me? It's not hot. It's not going to grab you. It's not going to get clickbait. Be nice to people. <laughs> Follow up with people. Wow. Let me stop what I'm doing. It's just not. And I want to share with you, it's taken a toll in the industry. All this tech and all this stuff, all the, the fact that we've abdicated the term lead has led to a tremendous lack of focus. And the results are showing up in people's performance. So I'm going to show you the lay of the land for the actual industry itself. So 2006, we were coaching and training here at Buffco, doing our thing. There was 1.35 million members of the National Association of Realtors. Six years later, it went down to 999,000. Six years later, it's back up to almost, and we'll see where we finish the year, it could finish exactly in a perfect asymmetry back to where it was. Now, you go, okay, so the numbers are the same. Here's what's not the same. The 1.3 million people that are in the business today are not the same 1.3 million people that were in the business in 2006. We're going to get into some stats and some facts here in a moment. The vast majority of people working in the real estate business today have never worked in a normal market. Never worked in normal interest rates that were not supported by an aggressive Fed policy called quantitative easing, where we made interest rates artificially low, and never worked in a market where it took a normal time to sell a house. And so most people are poorly equipped for the market that we're about to experience. And here's what's wild. It's going to be a very small adjustment. The economy's doing well. It'll be a very small adjustment to the real estate business in 2019, but it'll be massive in regards to the day-to-day operations of the typical brokerage and agent, and most people are not equipped for it. You're going to see some major challenges next year when all the thing says the opposite. Because the economy's doing great, so real estate's going to do great, right? Real estate's going to do fine. Here's where we're at. 2016, about 5.45 million transactions. 2017, 5.5. This year, dipped down a bit, 5.29, purely and simply because we don't have enough inventory. Now, Lawrence Yoon, I am a big fan of him, and I read all his stuff, and I'm a big fan of his. He projects there'll be 5.5 million transactions next year. My guess, I will have a bet. I think it's going to be similar to this year. I think it's going to be about 5.3. I think it's going to be flat. And so you say, well, there's no drama there, Brian. Where's the drama? Well, let me tell you where the drama is found. It's in the nuance of the business, the type of thing that no one wants to talk about. In 2018, the average home sold in 19 days. And it sold at 99% of the list price. Now, here's the thing. A turkey can fly in a hurricane. If you could hammer a sign in the yard, input the data in the MLS, and not put a screwy price on it, and the owner didn't try to shoot people who came into the house, you can sell it. And I don't want to be offensive to the real estate business, because I know how hard the transactions are, and people are still people, and people are still nervous, and you've got to get appraisals and transactions and disclosures, and the transactions are more complicated and difficult than ever before. But from a standpoint of putting a home on a market, I worked in a market in San Diego where my average market time was 181 days. During the course of a listing appointment, I would have up to 20 appointments. A listing period, I'd have 20 appointments with my average client. I signed every listing agreement for a year. Every listing I took was a year long, or I wouldn't take the listing. I tell the people, I gotta go across the desert, and you wanna give me half the water to get there. It's gonna take us 181 days to sell this home and another 60 days to close it, and you want me to list the property for six months, and right when we get a buyer, you wanna bail on me, I'm not gonna do it. You had to be highly bloody skilled. You had to know how to communicate and articulate. I just wanna say, 
If the property sells with two or three offers within two weeks, come on. There's still some skill involved, but not nearly as like as it's going to be. What is going to happen is we're going to have the same number of transactions, but count this in. And no one's talking about it. The market times are going to be longer. We have inventory pressure. We don't have enough inventory. Millennials are looking for the same property that downsizing baby boomers are looking for. We have a large percentage of people who've kind of given up looking for a house right now. We also have people, because of an adjustment, a 5% interest rate is a mental barrier that people have to get over. Now, I worked in a real estate office that had a party when the rates came down to 10%. Had a party, pizza party, because we had 10%. And I know some of the old-timers are listening, oh, yeah, yeah, I was 18, Brian. <laughs> the thing is, rates are going to nudge up to 5%. Market times are going to expand out to 30 days, okay? Which means some of the listings are 60 and 90 days. You have to have a different set of skills working with a seller like that. Does that make sense? Oh, by the way, all these tech companies that are super low price, low price, low price, when it takes 60 days and 90 days to sell a property and you're only charging 1%, let me tell you, that's a hard thing to live on. And you're going to see, and I've seen this again. Now, many of these companies are publicly traded or angel funded. They'll hang around. But I've been around a lot of cycles in real estate. The people who charge the lowest commissions are the one who struggle the most when the market times extend. What does it mean to you as a realtor? What's the biggest thing this means? You're going to have to be more skilled. You're going to have to have more personal inventory. And you're going to have to manage your cash flow differently. You can make the same money or better, but your commissions are not going to come in as quick. One of the things you'll see in 2019 is commission advancement companies growing. Companies that charge 22% interest to give a realtor an advance on their commission. Now, they're a legitimate business. I tip the cap, but I'm not a fan. Because our mission is to impact and improve the lives of people. And, And I want to show you. We have a strong economy. Is that good news, yes or no? We're going to have about the same number of sales. Is that good news? Yeah, but I'm telling you, the market times are going to get longer. We're going to have a little more inventory, which is good, which will be good for buyers. I'm telling you that more people are using real estate. The technology is not moving away from real estate. I want to show you. With all the tech, for sale by owners, all-time low number. 7% of the market this year. 50% of that are interfamily, interrelational transfers. The true number of for sale by owners, with all the technology that exists today, is 3.5%. They started keeping this stat since 1981. It was always around 12%. It was 12% when I got into business. One out of every eight homes was a for sale by owner. And what they did, they stuck a sign in the yard. Now they can list it on Zillow. They can put it out online. They can do all this social media stuff. They can register for DocuSign and do the documents. And you know what we're seeing? They're not doing it. They're not doing it. They're using realtors in record numbers. And again, we'll keep educating you guys. There's a lot more behind this and how to facilitate this. In 2018, 90% of all buyers and sellers used a real estate agent. It was the highest number recorded in history. More people are using a realtor than ever before. Less people are doing it on their own than ever before. The economy's good, and a lot of people are going to continue to struggle. Now, I know you were used to me being the happy guy. Why am I a little uh, edgy here today? What, what do you think's driving it? What do you think's got me worked up a bit? Is that in a really good market, with the properties flying off the shelves, more buyers than we have sellers, here's what's happened for the average real estate agent. And don't forget this. I came to this country and I got a chance to be a real estate agent and change my fortune. Everything I am in my career, I owe to real estate. And this bothers me. 36 grand was the average realtor gross commissions in 2014. Went to 29 to 31. 2017 was 29.4. And the projection is it'll be 5% off that again. When the market's been good, we have a product that's flying off the shelves 
Realtors are making less money than ever. Now, folks, what do we have? We have dilution. We have a lot of realtors. What do we have? We have more commission pressures. Understand that. And you're having a greater gap between the haves and the have-nots in real estate than ever before. In the last four years, real estate agent, sales agent income is down 20%. And that is why I'm no longer willing to pull my punches on this stuff. Because at the end of the day, if organizations get, oh, we need to have this tech and we need to have artificial intelligence and we need to have this and we need to focus on driverless cars and we need to talk about Bitcoin and we need to smoke doobies and all that stuff. And in the meantime, people are struggling. And that's what drives me today. That's what drives our company is impacting and improving the lives of people. And that number right there. And and here's the deal. And they say, if it's true, you're not bragging. I did a bold prediction five years ago when our average client was making seven times that of the national agent. And I said, within a few years, Buffini and Company coach members will make 10 times and eventually 12 times. You guys remember that? Any of you were here for that? I said, Buffini and Company clients will make 12 times the national average. Do the math. 29 grand as opposed to $358,000 for our coach clients. Okay? And I'm going to tell you what the future holds. It'll be 15 times here in the next couple of years. This number is going to continue to widen. Now, I've tried to talk to everyone I can. I have a free podcast. This is a free broadcast. I go to NAR for free. Okay? I do all this stuff to try to support and connect. But I'm not the Messiah, and I don't have a God complex. I have an organization that's voraciously designed to help our clients win. I'm going to tell you in the future, there's going to be more and more people struggling, and the people who are actually focused on the right things are going to kill it. Does that make sense? There's going to be a greater separation. I actually don't wish there was. You know, there was a time I used to, ah, that's great. And now I look at it and I go, I kind of feel bad. It doesn't mean these folks are ordering Learjets, but it does mean these folks can work by referral and live the good life. Does that make sense? And so if it's true, you're not bragging. Our numbers back it up. We have data inside. We have CRM. We have independent audit. These are not made up numbers by a speaker. We've been at this 23 years. And we help people get through this. The things you're going to see in the marketplace, inventories right now is at 4.3 months. And it's going to go to six months. Here's the funny thing. Six months is technically what? It's technically a buyer's market. So it's been a seller's market. Now, a buyer's market typically means, hey, I'm going to walk away if you don't mind. What it means is it's going to be a little more market time. It means inventory is going to sit on the shelf a little longer, which is great. It's a less hectic, less panicked market. We are getting into the best professionals market I've seen in 32 years. There were short periods of time I had a chance to participate in that as an agent, but this right here is the best professionals market I've seen. We're going to see about two rate hikes in 2019. By the way, interest rate hikes, when they're appropriate, are a sign of a very healthy economy. It means uh, our older citizens and retired citizens will actually get a rate of return when they put their money in a bank. We've had artificially low. Are you guys with me? But here's the stat. You want to take this down? 73% of the real estate agents affiliated with the National Association of Realtors have never worked in a 5% interest rate market and 80% of the mortgage brokers. All of our mortgage friends watching, your refi business, you better get real focused on purchases. Now, we've always made that the dynamic. You ready for a bold prediction? I believe in 2019, real estate agent income will go down another 5 to 7% on average. Are you all motivated? <laughs> Glad you got dressed up to hear this stuff. Okay, you ready for a really important ball prediction? People who participate in our training program in 2019 will make more money, not less. I'll tell you that for a fact. And we know what we're talking about. We have a long history in this. And I'm not going to say we have the cure for cancer, but I'm just going to say this. 
80% of all transactions have been proven without question to be sphere of influence. At the National NAREB conference here recently, there's a poll of industry leaders and they're all like, yep, sphere of influence 80%. 80% of all transactions are companies' sphere of influence. Yep, it's 80%. It all comes out of the database, 80%. And then they said, now, let's spend our time talking about technology. Let's talk about disruption. Let's talk about technology. How about we focus on the 80%? Now, for our clients that are making $500,000 and above, we will certainly help them build a very nice online strategy to cultivate leads for their team members. Does that make sense? That's where it belongs. If you have a really good team, you should have a nice online strategy and a cultivation for the online lead strategy to feed baby agents that you're bringing along as you teach them how to get referrals, as you teach them how to do the fundamentals. Are you guys with me? In 2005, we were focused just on coaching. That was when we first introduced a training program called 100 Days to Greatness. Or as they say in South Africa, 100 Days to Greatness, where it's the official training program still to this day. And we had 54,000 realtors take that program. They averaged 5.5 transactions and 43,000 commissions during the length of the program, which was based on how they did it 12 to 14 weeks. Seven years later, that's an important number, seven years later, we launched Peak Producers. And we got better at it. We knew what we were doing. And we put 70,000 agents through Peak Producers. And they averaged 12 transactions and made 98,000 in commissions. And so I'm excited to let you know it's been seven years. Guess what? January 2nd, we got a brand new training program. We've been working on it for about 14 months. Almost 100 people at the Feeney Company. And here's the thing. It doesn't take much to build a training program. It takes a ridiculous amount to build a training program with predictable results. Lots of people have training programs. There's a gazillion training programs out there. Most companies have a training program. But to build a training program where, like for peak producers, we go, well, if you follow these steps, you'll make between ninety-seven dollars and $98,000. And that that average held up for the last five years, there's a real knack to that. Does that make sense? And so what we have is called the Pathway to Mastery. And it is a shorter program. It's eight weeks instead of 12 weeks based on popular demand. By the way, it takes a hell of a lot longer to make something more brief. It's also very much cutting edge. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I'm going to give you also some teaching tips right now to how to prosper in this market. Can I do both things at the same time? So the training program and the best advice I can give you for a bold prediction is based on these three principles. If you want to succeed in 2019 and beyond, number one, invest in relationships. Invest in relationships. Yes, you should have technology. Yes, you should have other cool stuff, marketing, or whatever. The first thing to invest in is relationships. The second thing is you've got to stand out. You've got to be exceptional with service. And I'm going to show you the dynamics. I'm going to show you the data. I'm going to show you the millennial data on where service fits into it and the misconceptions and the preconceptions we have. And then we're going to talk about mastering your skills. Uh, we have a highly unskilled industry, 29,000 in gross commissions. That's unskilled labor. And like I said, the same group of people who were in real estate in 2006 are not in real estate in 2018. Does that make sense? Most people have never seen this kind of a normal market where it actually takes a little bit of time to sell a house. You have to actually talk to the seller more than once before you sell the house. You follow me? Those kinds of things. You might have to do a thing called a price reduction. Whole new concept. So, here's the definition of invest. It's uh, by Mr. Webster. He's devote time, effort, and energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. Okay? So you invest your time and effort. The relationship is the way two or more people are connected. And we are really teaching people how to be more of a connector. And again, here's the stats. All statisticians agree on one thing. More than 80% of all transactions are through the sphere of influence. This is not 2002 when I was quoting the same statistics. This is 2018 going into 19. And that's the stats. 
So we have eight modules of this very, very physically, kinesthetically rich, very memorable, interactive content. And so we have a process called the Law of the Harvest, which is the first module in our training, which is about identifying the relationships, connecting and kind of scrubbing through your relationships to build your business as a modern business. And then we have what's called the Stacking Effect, which is our working by referral system and with some really cool modifications for the modern world we live in on how to layer in a marketing approach to your relationships so that you become the realtor of choice or the lender of choice in your business. The great Brian Tracy, who's been on our podcast, says, the value of relationship is in direct proportion to the time you invest in the relationship. Okay? The next thing is service. I know that's old school, but you have to stand out with service. Saying I provide good service means nothing. Say I provide good service. Next person says, I provide good service. It's kind of like tastes like chicken. Does that make sense? Yeah, it tastes like chicken. You have to be very specific. So uh, stand out as a person of exceptional ability. Say that word exceptional ability or high quality and then to serve is to bestow the labor of body and mind to the benefit of another one of the things we're experiencing and here's why and i want to share with you nobody makes stupid decisions to ruin their career why are people so ready to get disrupted in real estate because they've watched retail is that true i mean this time next year i don't expect to be talking about sears does that make sense and you can talk about this in many other forms how many of you have seen retail change? How many of you buy things online? So you go, I buy things online. Why wouldn't I click add the house to my shopping cart? It's a different deal. Let me say this. One of the reasons why retail has struggled is that the retail experience is actually inferior in many cases to the online experience. Would you guys agree? Yes. You go there and you meet the drone who's no energy, no help, no service. And let me tell you, people act like a drone, they're going to be replaced by a drone that delivers the package. And I tell the story, last year, Christmas, you know, I, I had six kids, right? Which seemed like a great idea at the time. And, you know, now it's, our Christmas list is kind of like a business. They submit their lists. They email them to dad. The same font, everything. Thanks. They're polite. Thanks. And then they get what they ordered. Kind of. And all their stuff's tech. And so last year, I go down to the Apple. You can't talk about Apple, right? Apple. Oh. I go to the Apple store and folks, I walk in and all the geniuses are inside. You guys know the geniuses? So they're all wearing the blue shirts. They're geniuses. And they're such geniuses. They're all just congregating together, talking to one another while the store is freaking packed. And the salesman and service guy in me is like going nuts. Wait, I got a big list. I want to spend about 25 grand. Okay. So I find one of the geniuses. Excuse me, sir. Here's my list. Can you help me with some of this stuff? He goes, oh, that's a flux capacitor there. You'll need to speak to a special type of genius here. I'll, get, I'll let him know. So fair enough. He goes over. I'm there. Now, the way we shop for Christmas is Beverly and I drive to the mall together, and then we split because I actually buy stuff. And so I'm in the Apple store getting a list. She's off doing whatever she's doing. And 10 minutes go by. I go, hey, dude, any sign of the genius? He goes, oh, yeah, we'll get to you. And again, he goes right back, and they're all just talking to one another. And in the meantime, the store is awesome. Like, there's these blocks with video screens, and people are making art, and they're interacting with a store in Germany that's helping to the art. It's like, oh, there's coffee, there's man buns, tight jeans. It's awesome. <laughs> 20 minutes go by. I walk up to him. I go, dude, I said, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice. I said, I'm going home. So I want you to think about something. I said, Apple's going to have a good day. I'm about to buy this stuff online. 
Apple's going to have a good day. You're not going to have a good day. Because, you see, I'm going to click buy, and it's going to get there whenever it gets there, and I'm going to do a transaction. I came here because I was hoping someone would serve me and show me what the heck I needed to do or if I had the right stuff. I said, you're in retail. I know you work for Apple, but you're in retail. You're about to have a bad day. Apple's going to have a good day. That's about to happen in the real estate business, too. Let me give you this. And this may sound too Machiavellian. Let me tell you, if a realtor service sucks, they don't deserve to be around. If a real estate service sucks, they don't deserve to make 29 grand or more. And I know that's hard, but this is big boy, big girl conversation today. Are you guys with me? We have to stand out with the service. And people go, well, that's not true. The millennials, they're not loyal. They just they do their own thing. They're millennials, millennials, millennials. Here's the stats. Here's the facts. The baby boomers, you know, the most hallowed of all generation. We speak in rep baby boomer. Their loyalty effect to great customer service is 62%. Gen X, the next generation, my generation, 65%. Gen Z is my kids, my twins, my youngest kids, okay? Snapchat, 68% loyalty factor to good customer service. And the millennials, the single largest, biggest group to ever hit the real estate business, it's 78% loyalty to great customer service. Millennials won't buy a burrito without getting a recommendation. And they'll go to Yelp to get a recommendation or some other source. But you need to understand, these folks, all that's happened is this. People start the process online and then go find a realtor. It used to be they found us and then we found them the home. Are you guys with me? And many realtors are insecure because their client finds their own house. When someone comes to me and says, well, I found my own house, I go, you're supposed to. And now my job in the real estate business is to help you get into it, negotiate it, and do it right. Does that make sense? Couple of modules to really up the service, and that's why this is cutting edge stuff, and I'm very excited about this. On the buyer side, the number one issue agents are having is how to lock in the loyalty with a buyer. And so we're focused on five types of buyer, the millennial buyer, the move-up buyer, the relocation buyer, the third-party buyer, and the downsizing buyer, which are those baby boomers. And you have to have little different dialogues and a little different approach for all types of buyers. Does that make sense? So I'm very excited. We've got the skills, the dialogues, the teaching, the methods, and even the communication methodologies for each different type of buyer. Sound good to you guys? So that's one of the elements in the pathway to mastery. Then we'll get into how to sell a seller. And he who controls the inventory still controls the business. So we're going to talk about generating a seller, converting a seller, and then we're going to talk about specifically how to serve a listing. Okay? And you might have to serve a listing a little longer than 18 days. Does that make sense? The last piece is skill. And everybody who knows us knows we believe the skills pay the bills. The ability to do something with expertise. And like I said, we become an unskilled industry. Recent survey, this has been huge. I think we got car... CE shop, all the real trends, fabulous research done on this consumer facing. Because a lot of these great agencies want to know, okay, what's going on with the consumer and all this tech? Why are you going to realtors in record numbers? And here's why a buyer and a seller wants an agent today with all the tech. Number one, negotiation. Number two, you want to provide a list of homes as a buyer. Even though they're looking online, they want to make sure they're not missing out. And they know they need someone to market their home when they're selling. Homes don't market themselves. And then here's what's really cool. Listen to this. They want a professional, trusted advisor. Oh, my gosh. Does that sound like what we've been talking about for 30 years? No wonder our folks are making money. I'm not making this stuff. There's the sources. This is hot off the press research. Hot off the press research, 80% sphere of influence. Hot off the press. So, obviously, in our pathway to mastery, in our peak producers, I did a kind of a big picture negotiating piece. 
This is very specific tips and techniques, whether it's the walkaway technique, teaching people how to be the rock, not the river during the negotiation, how to be an advocate, not an adversary. We have seven different major processes we have on how to be a great negotiator in every type of situation with every type of client. All how-tos. You guys like that? So very, very strong because it's the number one need. By the way, the most referable skill. Last things here is we really got a fantastic business planning module that's broken into three. Goal setting, financial management, and time management. Very, very strong. Very rich visually. Very good. And so I'm excited because you guys are the first group to hear about this as agents. This has been seven years since we did our last one, 14 months in the making. And uh, my mentor, Jim Rohn, you said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you can make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. Income seldom exceeds personal development. And so this Pathway to Mastery program, it's very kinesthetic. It's visually rich with things that people are going to remember. The resources are spectacular. The material itself, you know, Buffco's been at this a long time, and the team we have today, we produce things that are plug-and-play. And uh, beautiful, beautiful resources. We managed to maintain costs because we plan to have a lot of people go through this. It cost me a couple million bucks to put a program like this together. And you get to participate in it. Everything you need for an eight-week running your business for uh, 395 bucks. We've covered the state of the economy. We've covered the state of the industry. And we've covered the state of the agent. Some of the stuff I'm telling you today is kind of sober. Would you agree? But is it good to know that the economy is good? Is it good to know that we're going to sell about the same number of homes next year we did this year? Is it tough to hear how many people are struggling? Yeah. And we at Buffini Company are all about, we don't care where you are. I'll finish with this. If you see me from time to time on stage, fumbling in my right pocket, it's, uh, I keep a little wooden coin. And I was not aware of this, but there's uh, many people who are on food stamps in different states. They give them these tokens. And I, I didn't ever realize that. But, you know, the, the biggest insecurity I think you can have is not being able to feed your own family and having to be on food stamps. And I've gotten seven of these coins over the years of people who've gotten off of food stamps and into our system who've transformed their business. One lady that comes to mind is we've stayed in contact with her pretty well. And, you know, she sent me the coin when she was at her lowest ebb and I wrote her a note and she got into our training program, Peak Producers, at the time. And she got the ball rolling. She got a few sales. And then she, at the end of Peak Producers, she bought herself a car. It wasn't brand new, but it was a car for cash. And sent a picture. And she's standing in front of the car with a, a smile that looked like she could eat a banana sideways, you know. <laughs> and then uh, she got into our Referral Maker Pro. And she just joined the coaching program. And she sent me a picture here recently of herself not only standing in front of her house, but a picture of her kid that she's just sent off to school and been able to pay for this girl's college. And uh, that's the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning. And that's the stuff that kind of gets me going when I see numbers like $29,000 before taxes and expenses of the average realtor. It doesn't have to be that case. And I'm not saying we're the only cure out there, but I am saying we are sure as heck a cure. When the average person is making three fifty, they're in a hell of a different spot. They're a hell of a different professional, living a hell of a different life. And that's my hope and prayer for everybody. And that's why we do this stuff. It takes 14 months, night and day seeds to go build a training program like this. Millions of dollars invested. And sure, we're a business and we're a for-profit company. I'm Brian Buffini. I approve this message. And all profits go to feed hungry children. Six of them specifically. (laughs) But uh, that's not what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's not what drives the bus. That's not why we've attracted so many fabulous people here. 
is uh, we want to help people change their story. And I know most people are not at this kind of a place, but whatever place you're at, uh, you can change that place. And the bold predictions that are there that are, you know, we're going to have a good economy and there's going to be good sales, but it's going to be a more challenging market for realtors. People who go into a more challenging market and aren't ready for it, they're going to struggle. And so I hope that folks will join us with the Pathway to Mastery. And so you can go to com slash pathway and you can find out all about that. And the first classes will be coming down January 2nd. And it's a beautiful course. It's really well designed. Our finest work to date. I'm excited to get all of our coaching members on that program, get all of our coaching staff trained in it. It's really going to have an impact. And my bold prediction for 2019 is that we're going to help a lot of folks do even better in 2019. So I hope you've joined us today. I hope this has been beneficial. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great 2019 with all of you. Thanks for joining me today. God bless. Such great information. I loved this broadcast. Real estate affects us all, and it's so good to have the inside scoop on what we can expect in the coming year. Brian is going to do a follow-up podcast on today's content with questions from Buffini Insiders only. So head over to thebrianbuffinishow.com slash insiders to submit them. If you're not yet a Buffini Insider, you can sign up right there. And you can hear this special episode just a couple of weeks from now on episode 133. Until next time, here's Therese Buffini. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. (laughs) 